It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hello, 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 wherever you are. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Speedway Show. Our topic today is how should you stand? If you have followed the Speedway Show, then you know that I am an advocate of having a standard or pole star by which you live your life, a set of values that you live by. To do this, I advocate use of the life manual, which gives you guidance for optimizing the quality of your life. Mine happens to be the Bible, and I like to call them the life manual because it really is exactly that. It's just like um, when you go out and you buy a product from a store, it comes with a manual that tells you how best to maximize the whatever it is you bought. And uh, it's got things not to do. It's got a troubleshooting guide if you get yourself into trouble. And the life manual is exactly the same thing for your life. It gives you instructions on how best to maximize your life, tells you what not to do, and it gives you a troubleshooting guide in case you run your life off into the ditch. And uh, so anyhow, my life manual happens to be the Bible. I have a lot of friends whose life manual also is the Bible, although I do have friends who use the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, or the Tanakh, which is the Hebrew Bible. While some of the teachings in these life manuals vary significantly, Many of the underlying principles about how to live and treat others is the same. Today we are going to examine the question. If you have a life manual, and obviously this presumes you're reading your life manual, which you should be, but you have a life manual and it provides certain guidance, And uh, but yet as you look around at, at today's society, you can see that the teachings of your life manual are not being followed. In fact, you can see clearly that popular social standards run completely counter to what your life manual says. How should you respond? If you feel like you need to make a stand, how should you do that? Helping us with some of these, uh, with some insights about this is my guest today, Pastor Devin Miller. Pastor Miller, welcome to the Speedway Show. Thank you, Speedway. It's good to be with you. Well, let's start with some background. Tell us about tell us a little bit about you and your ministry. Well, um, I'm a, a pastor currently of Clear Faith Christian Ministries uh, in uh, Minnesota. Uh, we're based out of the Church of the New Life uh, Church in Richfield, Minnesota, which is just outside of Minneapolis. And um, we just just started this ministry about a year ago, but I've been in ministry for 23 years, uh, starting out 10 years with the Baptist faith and then uh, transitioning to the Pentecostal uh, faith, which uh, in our area is the Church of God in Christ. And I've been with them for 13 years now. Well, now what is your focus of your ministry today? Well, our focus is in basically three areas. One is to be biblically sound. Uh, we do that through our Bible study, 
Uh, we do a show actually on Blog Talk Radio called Biblical Discussions with Life Implications that comes on Saturdays uh, from 5 to 5.30. And, um, and then we also are looking to teach uh, what I would say is live and, uh, and in some of our churches, hopefully uh, in the fall, if not uh, by next year. And then uh, we also do a call-in show on Thursdays, which is a national co- conference call called Prayer on the Line, where allow, which allows people to call in and, and uh, make prayer requests or to ask any basic questions that they might have about their Christian walk. And we're also getting involved with Internet television, which uh, is on Roku, R-O-K-U.com, which is connected to Google TV, and we're a part of the Global Family Empowerment uh, Network, and we do our Bible study on that uh, Internet uh, television from, uh, well, it's on 24 hours a day. So if you connect it to Roku, you can just log in, and uh, there's a number of uh, networks on that station, uh, on that that on that network that you can watch and we're we're included. And spell Roku again. R O K U dot com. R O K U dot com. Okay, yeah. so anybody can go the listeners can go anytime now and listen and watch internet T V. Right, right. Yeah, it's, I think Your. there's like little dollar charge. There's a there's a number of, of, of networks on that Roku uh uh, website, so you can just click on any of them, and we're Global Family Empowerment Network. We're just one of about fifteen to twenty of them. Okay, so they can check you out on the Global Family Empowerment Network on Roku.com. Right. And if uh, there are people who want to participate in prayer on the line, how do they do that? Uh, the telephone number is six zero five. Uh, four seven five seven hundred, and the code is one four four six three two three. Now we're not on during the summer. We're not on now, but uh, we'll be back on in September. Uh, but if they go to if they're on Facebook, if and most of us are, if you go to Clear Faith Christian Ministries, C O G I C, which stands for Church of God in Christ. Uh, we have a group page, and on there we always make sure we uh, have all of our information about the ministry. Okay, so they can go to um, the fan page and then get updates on when prayer online on the line is going to be available. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And then when with your with your blog talk radio show, you said it's called. Tell me again, biblical discussions of. With with life implications. Well, with Pastor Devin Miller. Okay, so biblical discussions with life implications. Right. Okay, and since it's on Blog Talk Radio, that right. means that actually you've got live shows that air, but at any given time the listeners can go whenever it's convenient and they can listen to any of the um, past shows that you have recorded already. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And we've, okay, very uh, good. Yeah, we've been teaching out of the book, The Bible in the Light of Our Redemption, by E.W. Kenyon, uh, which is a 37-lesson book that follows the life of man throughout the Bible. So it's a basic Bible course, and we're in our second 
uh, go round of teaching. So we've got actually two years of, of uh, archive shows on on our uh, on our site with Block, with Block Talk Radio. So they can go on and actually not only hear from the very first time we did it, but also the current season and kind of compare notes as to how we taught first time versus the second time. So. Okay, very good. So, listeners, you heard it. Lots of ways that you can connect with Pastor Devin Min, uh, Miller and Clear Faith Ministry. If you go to the posting for this show on www.spway.com, or if you download the podcast, um, actually, well, if you download the podcast, you'll have to write it down. But if you go to the posting for the show, you will get links to the Facebook page, to Roku.com, and uh, more information about the Clear Faith Ministry. And I think you might have been missing, as I was writing down the phone number for Prayer on the Line, I think I was missing a digit. I've got 605-475, and then you said 700, but I think I'm, I'm, I must have missed a digit somewhere. Yes, 6700. Huh? 6700. Okay. All right, so I will post that as well, and uh, listeners, you can check that out and get more information. So now, um, Pastor Miller, you and I had a recent conversation, well, okay, it's been a while ago now, where (laughs) you shared with me an experience you had not too long ago at the courthouse in Minnesota. Tell us about that. Well, um, as you know, um, and maybe your listeners should know by now, that Minnesota just recently voted uh, into our Constitution uh, that uh, the definition of, of marriage would not be Um, uh, curtailed to just a man and a woman, uh, which uh, allows now for same-sex marriage to occur in the state of Minnesota. Um, But within that provision, uh, there is a, uh, within that statute, there's a provision which actually states it as civil marriage, meaning that the church is kind of exempt from being forced to marry uh, same-sex couples uh, strictly by law. So it, it gives the option um, to the church, which was my main concern, that we would be able to maintain our beliefs on, on however we fall on the on the gay rights or, or gay marriage uh, uh, issue. So they had a rally uh, about a month ago at the Capitol, and I was <laughs> I went down there just kind of, you know, one, to observe, and two, just to take a stand, as, as the show is uh, talking about today, to say that, you know, as Christians, we are opposed to same-sex marriage uh, based on biblical teaching. However, we're not against you having the right to speak your voice. And so I went down there just kind of to, to be there to show that there is an alternative to what was going on. And while I was down there, you really couldn't tell who was the Christian and who was the, you know, for lack of a better word, the gay right advocate, because everybody was yelling, and everybody was trying to get their point across, and everybody was holding up signs, and I'm like, you know, the the word that I teach and the word that I read says that they will know that we are Christians by the love we show one towards another, and so I, I started to really observe people, and I was like, how can you tell who's the Christian? And mm-hmm. so eventually I went down to the rotundra in the center of the rotundra and I said, hey, let's go down here and pray. Let's, let's just pray. 
And so as I went down there, I gathered people as I was going down. We had made a little semicircle, and then I just started to pray right there in the midst of all this, what I would call chaos. And there was a slow hush, to kind of, not a hush because everybody was still yelling, but it was not as loud as it was when we started praying. And when I was uh, finished praying, I looked up, and there was a woman standing in front of me with the sign, you know, I don't know if it said Jesus is pro, you know, is for us or Jesus loves us or whatever. And I was like, she looked at me and I looked at her and I said, and she said to me, God bless you. And I said, God bless you too. And that was the end of it. And so I was standing next to someone and I said, you know, can you distinguish the Christian from the non from the non Christian? And she was like, No. I said aren't we supposed to be salt and light? Aren't we supposed to be the light on a hill? Aren't we supposed to be, you know, the peacemakers? And she was like, wow, I, I never really looked at it like that. I said, so well, yeah, of yeah. Us, you know, and, and, and being the difference, we just blend right in. I said, isn't that kind of the problem that we have already with trying to demonstrate our faith and be the you know, be different than those who are in the world because the Bible says that we're supposed to be uh, in the world and not of the world. And, and so we just got into this little, you know, little mini debate. And, and she looked and she's like, I never really looked at it like that. I said, and it's not your fault. I said, it's not your fault. It's just we're not teaching properly on how we're supposed to live as Christians based on the scripture that we believe. So that was, that was the experience. It was very eye-opening for me because it just shows that we're spending so much time trying to be like everyone or to be liked by everyone that we're not really following the radicalism, for lack of a better word, of the Bible, which tells us that we're supposed to be different, that we will be persecuted for what we stand for. But it's okay because they persecuted Jesus. And if that's supposed to be our example, then we should not want to do anything less than what our example shows. And, in fact, the Bible also says that he said, Christ said, that we would do even greater works. But with greater works, the Bible also says, to whom much is given, much is required. So there's a lot of things within the Bible, as you say, the life manual that we prescribe to, that tells us that if we live a certain way and we take stands on certain things, there are going to be things that are going to happen to us, but it's okay because, we're we're taking a stand and we're trying to show the difference by our lives. Okay, so just so that we are clear for those people who don't happen to read the Bible, um, mm-hmm. what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Well, in the book of Leviticus, um, and I didn't have time to really get particular chapter and verse, but it does say that, that uh, uh, homosexuality is an abomination. Um, it is not the way in which God intended, uh, according to Old Testament scripture. Then if you go to New Testament, I believe it's either in First Timothy or Second Timothy, where it talks about uh, that in the, last, in the last days we will see men becoming lovers of themselves and that this goes against God's law. And so um, both the Old and New Testament shows us that, that God shows us God's position on homosexuality. However, and I know this is a question coming later, and I might as well touch on it now. It also says that we are to love one another. So there, just to the naked eye, you may see that as a contradiction, but it's really not because 
we are not in a position to judge anyone. And so the, the, the gay lifestyle or the homosexual lifestyle has no bearing on who I am as a Christian because I have no I have no heaven to send you to or hell to put you in. All I can do is love <laughs> you as a human being, um, but I don't have to condone your lifestyle. Just like you don't, you know, they don't have to condone mine, but I have a right in this place called America to live according to my beliefs as long as I'm not breaking any of the natural laws of man. So, you know, we, we oftentimes get into this whole debate as to, you know, is, our, is it our job to condemn or is it our job to convict? And it's like, no, it's not. Our job is just to be. And, and that's why, again, in John it says they will know that we are Christians by the love we show one towards another. And the, and the caveat in there is not how we show love one towards someone who does not believe like us, but it's how we show love one towards another, which means a person who believes the way we do. Because the Bible in and of itself is written for the Christian. It's a life manual on how we're supposed to live. It's not for the sinner. It's not for the person who does not know. I tell people this. It's very hard for you to read the manual if you don't believe in the in the creator of the manual or if you don't believe in the author. So if you've got a problem with the author, it's going to be very hard for you to read his book. So, so, I, so my job to a person who does not know the author is to introduce the author. So I have to introduce God according to the book that he has written to a person who has no idea. And the example of that is Christ. And so my lifestyle has to exemplify Christ so that you get an idea of who the author is so that you would be intrigued because I do things contrary to natural ways of life so that you say, well, man, you seem to be living prosperously or you seem to be happy when everybody else is going crazy or you seem to be very content when everybody is trying to figure out what's going on. What is it about you that makes you different than all these other people? Well, let me tell you about a man. Now I've introduced Well, him. here's here's Go ahead. So here's here's my question and I want to ask it before we get too far down the sure. track. If we are to love one to another and that is defined as those of us who are believers, then mm-hmm. what are we supposed to do in relation to those who are not? Well, you know, the golden rule that we all believe in is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Okay, that's mm-hmm. good. Um, but if you look at Matthew in the book of Matthew, I believe it's in the 18th chapter, it tells us, you know, it's what's called the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are those who who, uh, who suffer, you know, I always call it the blessed attitudes. And in that, it tells us how we are to treat everyone as a Christian. Okay. So, you know, love is the foundation upon which we build. And so, I, I like I said before, I cannot judge your lifestyle, but because you are created by God, and all of us are, then I have, uh, for lack of a better word, I have an obligation to love you as a person. So what we say is, I can love the sinner, but I hate the sin. So, you know, I, I my job is not to say, oh, you know, again, if we're talking about, you know, the, the gay lifestyle or the homosexual lifestyle, I'm not, my job is not to go, to you, go up to them and say, you're going to hell. I don't know if you're going or not. Because I'm there, you know, I'm trying to make it to heaven. So I'm, my job <laughs> is to love you 
in such a way that you will either look at your own life or you will have questions about it. And then when you, if and when you do have questions about it, my job is to show you the answer, not to give you my opinion. And a lot of times we get caught up in opinion instead of, a, uh, instead of what the word says. So we, we get caught up in our culture and our traditions instead of what the word says. So when you think back to that day at the state capitol where everybody was sort of heckling each other and making a lot of noise and you can't tell who are the Christians, who are not the Christians, who are the lovers of God, who are not, what right. should that day have looked like? So when you think about what those Christians should have been doing or not doing, what mm-hmm. should that draw us a picture for what you would have you know, ideally wanted to see that would have demonstrated that love? Well, the, the the biggest thing I think should have been happening is that if we are truly believers that prayer changes things, we should have been all over the Capitol praying. There should have been little clutches of Christians, no matter what denomination or religious belief they have. As long as we believe in God and believe in his son, Jesus Christ, then we should have been praying. We should have been quiet, praying right there all over the Capitol. And what would have and happened? And what should... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, well, what should say, what should they have been praying for? Praying that God's will be done. See, that's the other okay. thing. Okay, you know, because a lot of folks are like, "Well, Jesus, Jesus would vote no." I'm like, "No, Jesus wouldn't vote. <laughs> I mean, he he wouldn't even take a position because you're you can't, you know, everybody's saying you can't legislate love and you can't, you know, determine, you know, who loves who. I'm like, okay. I'll, I'll go with that argument. I said, but at the same time, if the Bible defines marriage throughout the Bible, I have not seen anything in the Bible that says it's between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And if the if, if we are a Christian nation, then there has to be some standards upon which we, we build things. So my thing was, what's the real issue that the homosexual lifestyle is fighting for? And when you really get through all the smoke and mirrors and when you get get really to the nitty-gritty, they want equal access to the rights and benefits and privileges that come with marriage. Correct. So my thing is, okay, if that's what you want, say what you want. Don't try to define a, try to redefine a biblical principle because you're not the author. Only the author can change what's in his book. You can't change it. And and that's the stand we have to take as the religious community. No, you can't change that. And so how do how do we make that happen? We have to make sure that we vote for people who have the beliefs and the integrity to stand for them in spite of political pressure. We have to have we have to make sure that we have people uh in, in local municipalities that believe not so much that they're pushing religion, but that they're believing in the principles, because principles transcend religion. That's why, as you were saying before, in a lot of our faiths, we can see common threads. Why? Because principle transcends, uh, 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 I won't say transcends facts, but it transcends personal beliefs, because 
if you have a principle that people shouldn't die, and you have a principle that people shouldn't die, then we we have the same belief system. Now, how that happens gets you know, as they say, the devil's in the details, and so so we don't have to get into well, you believe this way and I believe that way. No, we have a fundamental principle that we believe that people shouldn't die. Okay then I, can, I should be able to sit down with you. I should be able to have lunch with you. I should be able to walk on the same sidewalk with you and all of that. That points to our humanity versus our cultural identity. And that's what, what the kingdom, I believe, is all about. The kingdom is about building based on the humanity of people, not on the cultural identity. And, and God was not about building on cultural norms or anything like that. That's why the Bible often says in the in the in the, le- in the thirteen letters that Paul wrote. When you start to really read them, Paul was saying to the churches, he was saying, "There's only one doctrine, and that's the doctrine of Christ." And what that means is that all of the the relig- all of the religions, if they're Christian based, which means Christ like based, then we all should be teaching how to be more like Christ. Not how to be a good Lutheran or how to be a good uh, uh, Catholic or how to be a good Baptist or how to be a good Pentecostal. We should be, how do I become a good Christian? How do I, how do I become Christ-like, more Christ-like, which transcends color, which transcends culture, which transcends so many different things. But because we're stuck, we can't stay. Well... Um, another question, we have talked in particular, and, and, and listeners, just so you know, the, the way we came up with this topic as we were kicking around ideas was because of this particular experience that you had, Pastor Miller, at the Capitol, and, and from from there when you started talking about it, I said, aha, here's the topic, and here's what we're going to call the title, but we have, although we have focused on homosexuality, the reality is there are many other examples that we can cite in the world around us where social trends are moving in a direction that is inconsistent with what the life manual sets. So, Pastor, I wonder if you would give us some other of those examples that you have seen in the course of your work. Well, well, I, I think um, particularly within uh our our faith in in the in the black culture and I, I that's the only culture that I know um within the faith we're dealing with the whole idea of uh women in ministry or women in leadership roles in ministry and when you look at the bible the bible is is very male dominant and a lot of preachers, uh, and both, you know, I won't say just in the black church, I would say in some cases in, 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 in some white denominations as well, have taken that position that women are not supposed to be in leadership roles because the Bible doesn't have women in leadership roles. What they fail to look at is they fail to look at the book of Ruth, they fail to look at the book of Esther, they fail to look at a whole lot of stuff because they don't, they want to give this, uh, male egotistical position that women are supposed to be behind and men are supposed to be up front. Well, the Bible doesn't back that up. 
because okay now hold on just a minute this is very interesting because i do believe it was paul in Mm -hmm. some of his maybe one or maybe even more than one of his letters and i don't claim to be a biblical scholar i just claim to have a relatively decent memory um but i think it was paul actually who gave some pretty strict requirements about not just women in the church but women's appearance and the hair and how they should maintain themselves so what do you say when you have somebody like the apostle paul who says women should not take a leadership position in the church i mean that's that's i i got the impression that what he was really saying was that women shouldn't preach is that true right it it is and it isn't (laughs) well okay Paul Paul did say exactly what you said that that that, that women sh- you know their heads should be covered that women shouldn't speak and all this kind of stuff but understand the context upon which Paul was talking and see this is where we lose it there were women within the church that were just and, and I'm paraphrasing terribly I wasn't there um, but were <laughs> speaking out of turn example if you're in a church and the preacher is preaching and there's a woman or a man, in this case, I just say a woman or a man, that's just talking. Just like, you know, uh, I need to do this and how are you doing it? I don't agree with what the preacher's saying. And just talking all out of turn. But what Paul was saying was, if you've got questions, ask them at home. Don't come to the temple and ask your questions when the word is being taught. That is not the time to do it. And so it was really about the attitudes that were going on in the Corinthian church. I believe it was the Corinthian church. And and so he was more speaking to the attitudes and the respect for those who were in leadership. Not saying that you shouldn't be, but he was saying, you know what, if y'all can't handle this and be Christians, then let me put some stipulations in here. And because it was a male-dominant culture at that time, it was very easy for him to step into the position to say a man is supposed to do this and a woman was supposed to do this because culturally women were not women were seen just as cattle. And so when yep. you understand the historical background of what was going on at the time, then it's easy to understand the biblical base upon which he was coming from. But what has happened is we've transcended that and said, well, if that's what Paul said, then that's the way it is. No, because if you look in, if you look at the principles, again, go back to the principles. The principles say that the whole, he says in the last days, in the book of Joel, it says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It didn't say all male flesh. It didn't say all flesh that are in the Lutheran church or all, it didn't say that. He said, I'm going to pour it out on all flesh. And he said, young men will, you know, will dream, old men will dream dreams, and young men will see visions. But when you really break down what men or man stands for, it stands for mankind. Because if you go back to Genesis, it says in the beginning, God created. And it says male and female created he them. And so there's a very clear distinction between male and female, but there's a but the author, the creator, is God. And so if God is creator, and when you look at the, the, the first commandment that he gave Adam, was the same commandment that he gave Eve. And what is that? Love God. 
So if God is the center focus of man and womankind, and then it comes down to role and responsibility in the Old Testament scripture, but then when you go to the New Testament scripture, it says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Can we then presuppose that that means a woman, if she is filled with the spirit of God, has just as much ability to do as a man? And so then we get into big debate. But it's the discussion that we need to have because what? In most of the black churches, I don't know about any other churches, most of the black churches, they're 80% women. So if I've got a church, 80% women and 20% men, why should I even think that the men should be in charge? Now, okay. there is a, there's, a head, there's a headship because God called Adam first. Now, we understand that. And most women understand that. Most women will not, if they really are biblically based, will not buck the system that God created. But they know that they have gifts. Because when you look at the gifts or the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, meekness, long-suffering, temperance, and self-control, when you look at all of those things, there is no gender to those things. And so when you get into what Paul was talking about in the 13 letters that he wrote to the churches, he was talking about lifestyle. He was talking about how are we going to be portrayed to the outside. That's why he went to the Gentiles, because he couldn't deal with the Jews, because the Jews were stuck in the traditions of the Old Testament, and they did not even accept Christ. And so he said, so when Christ, when God called Paul to teach to the Gentiles, it was because they did not have, quote, unquote, a belief system. So they were very, they were much more receptive to an understanding of a belief system than the Jews who had a belief system and would not go beyond it because it did not go according to what the word said at that time. So they could not make the connection of the Messiah in flesh because he didn't come a certain way. Because the Bible said the government would be on his shoulders and this and that. And they're like, well, that's not him. He's a carpenter. He's Joseph. That's Joseph's boy. That's Mary's baby. You know? He's no okay. You know? So, you know, so you know, here's the teaching that we have to do now for this next generation that's coming. Okay, so let's 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 talk about this question because you have told us now um, what it should look like when we stand as Christians and what it should not look like and what we should not be doing and how we shouldn't do it. Um, what do you say to the person who says, but, Pastor, the whole world approves of some of the activities you're talking about? So let's talk about, let's think about victimless crimes, right? Prostitution, alcoholism, self-mutilation. I mean, the only person being mutilated is you. Um, drug addiction, fornication, sex outside of marriage. These are all things that, you know, the Bible says you're not supposed to do. But actually, the only person who appears to be hurt by a lot of these things is the person doing them. So what do you say to the person who says, well, you know, and besides, you know, in Vegas, prostitution is legal. In Amsterdam, prostitution is legal. In fact, in Amsterdam, drug use is legal even. And so who is it, what is it, to me, if two people of the same gender want to be together, if people want to do whatever they want to do, um, why does it matter? Well, 
a couple of things. I mean, that's that's a that's a loaded question um, because <laughs> yes, my, indeed. My first my first thought would be it really doesn't matter because for the Christian we understand that we are we are our visitors to this to this life and that our life is a life eternal. And so we live to live again. So whatever goes on down here, it really if if I live according to, as you said, my life manual, then my my eternal life is secure in heaven with Christ. So my job down here is to live in such a way that I can show as many people as possible that Jesus Christ, that God through Christ is the way. Because that's what he said in his word. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what he said in my book. Okay? So my job is to live according to that. Now, when I come across folks who are, you know, going to bars or drinking and all that kind of stuff, I, I can take a multiple approach. I can say, well, if this, you know, I would say, what is the underlying cause that makes you go to a bar before you go to a church? Because what I know about the word is that it's transforming. It will it will not make you dependent on alcohol. It will it will take the taste out of your mouth. I got many stories that will tell you how people were transformed. But but when it comes to the individual lifestyle, I can't judge it. I have to question it. And I can only question it if the door of opportunity is available for me to question. So my stand is a personal one. And and I am not here to impose my view on anyone. But if you ask me why you believe the way you believe, now you've opened the door. And you that means what? That there's an... something about it that you want to know, and it's my job to teach. That is an excellent point because, um, and 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 I'm going to give this example, and I'm I'm hoping that as I give it, there will be people who can relate to this. I was at a function, a a reception one evening. I happened to be talking to a very nice lady, and we were, I I didn't know her, we just met at the reception, and we're having this conversation about, you know, the usual sort of small talk you have with people you don't know at a reception. So where do you work? What do you do? Where do you live? Is it far from here? And she said, oh, yes, my partner and I live just over the Wisconsin border, right? And now... When people talk about partners, you know, it can mean different things. So I discovered when I was in Europe that when people say they're partners, they're usually talking about their 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 heterosexual spouse um, right. because it's my partner in life. And so I'm I'm sort of I pay attention because it's an interesting use of the word. And I come to realize over the course of the conversation that she, this lady, is gay and her partner is a woman. And so I'm standing there and I'm thinking to myself, self. Uh, so what is my responsibility as a Christian to speak? And and the, the conclusion that I reached is exactly what you said. This woman wasn't wondering about her gay lifestyle. She wasn't right. asking me for she, – it wasn't a question. She wasn't asking for my thoughts, my right. opinion. She wasn't asking for anything. We were just having a conversation. And right. so as a result – 
I didn't say anything about it because I was not invited to speak. And I think sometimes as Christians we feel like we have to impose our view no matter, you know, I'm going to beat you over the head (laughs) with whatever it is that I believe. And a lot of times what we believe isn't even right, right? So I'm going to walk around with a plaque that says God hates a certain kind of person because, you know, like it's ever true, right? Right, and right. so I, I think that's a really good point that you make, that actually you have to have an opportunity because the opportunity presents an open heart and open mind and a questioning and a right. seeking of direction because if someone's not seeking direction, there is nothing you can say that is going okay. to make them feel any way other than antagonistic towards you for being opinionated right. and for you know imposing a view that they didn't even ask for. Exactly. That's that's exactly it, Stewie. And and, and what we have to understand is if you follow the concept that Christ had, I was just talking with a gentleman earlier this morning about this. Christ, when Christ was teaching, he was not he was not teaching the multitudes. We like to look at that because all of you know some pastors want to want to make a church, and so they were like, look at how many people, look at how many people Jesus taught to. He talked to 5,000 and he fed them. No, no, no. He was not, that was not his intent. His intent was that he was teaching the 12 disciples. And because of what he was teaching, people were listening and they would go and they would tell somebody and they would go and they would tell somebody and they would go. And, tell, and so now you got all the really? following him. But his, his intent was, my job is just to get these 12 disciples on board. Really? And so when it was all said and done, he said, okay, we can't send these people, he's like, we can't send these people home hungry. They've been, they've been with us for all the day, so we got to feed them. And so the disciples were like, we don't have enough money to buy them anything. We don't, you know, we can't go to the, basically, paraphrase, we can't go to the store and buy for all these people. We ain't got that kind of money. Jesus said, go amongst them and find out what we got. And that's when he came along, and they found the boy with the two fish and the five loaves. And 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 the Bible says when when he lifted it towards heaven, and when he gave thanks, he brought it down and he started parting it to the people. So much so that everyone was fed, everyone was fed, and everyone was able to take food with them. And that there was bushels and baskets full left over from two fish and five loaves. So what's the life lesson? The life lesson is is that if you stick to your teaching, God will provide the increase, not your teaching, but God provides the increase. And we okay, twist that what, story so much that it's crazy. Yeah, but what do you say to the person who is afraid? Because I have to say that yeah. there are many, many people who are so overwhelmed by the societal norms anymore, that they are, you know, kind of afraid. And I'll give you an example. I've got two daughters. They're 8 and 11. And um, one of the things that we have to be very proactive about as parents, in my view, is teaching your kids what is age-appropriate when it comes to things like movies, books, and things, and what is appropriate in terms of clothing. Because you go to all of these kids' clothing stores, And I promise you, in the summertime, it is hard to find a skirt or a pair of shorts that is anywhere close to the knee, much less below, right? Yes. 
Yeah. And so and so a lot of times parents just go along because, right. you know, you might be thinking, well, you know, as you see, it looks like her booty's hanging out. But you kind of go along because that's what people sell. And that's what the right. stores have, and that's what's fashionable, and that's what the kids want to wear. And so we just go along, sometimes yeah. because we're afraid of our own children. We're afraid of being unpopular. We're afraid of saying, you know, that's not appropriate, and I'm not going to buy it, and I don't care if everybody else at your school is wearing it. So what do you say to either the parents or on any number of issues, all of those people who are simply afraid of speaking up? Yeah. Because you just said yourself at the beginning that, you know, Jesus actually guaranteed persecution and, you know, difficulties and all sorts of horrible things would happen to you if you stood. So right. what do you say about that? Well, here, here's here's my thing, is that how we raise our children will determine how they will live. For example, I have two sons. I have two sons. They're 16 and 21. And you know, I very much so have to deal with the same things you're talking about, trends and, you know, what's what's bad and what's, you know, what's fashion and all this kind of stuff. And so what, what, I, what, I, what, I, what, what I made sure of is that they were raised in the church and they were raised on the principles of what we believe. And so what I said to them is that it doesn't matter what you wear it always matters who you are. Now, did I have to succumb to certain styles and things? Yes. I have granddaughters, okay, uh, who wear, you know, the stuff that I'm like, whoa, okay. So, you <laughs> I know, know that stuff. So, yeah, but then I have to talk to their mom, and I have to say, hey, you know what? I, I know, I know why you're doing what you're doing, but what are you teaching them? Because at some point, the inside will outweigh the outside. And so they'll start getting to the point where, you know what, I'm good with this small circle of friends versus being popular. I'm good with, you know, I may not have the absolute latest trend right now, but, you know, if I've got to wait a little while longer before I can get it, I'm good. Because we have to teach the latest. Gratification. We have to teach that the reward is greater when you really earn it versus just getting it because everybody else got it. So, so it's all in the teaching, and that's what we learn from Christ. Christ wasn't about condemning lifestyle. He was about what is your thinking behind the lifestyle. And so if we, if we start to teach that to our children at a young age, then they don't get caught up in the fad of what Beyonce is wearing and what Mariah Carey is wearing for women or what Jay-Z is saying or what, you know, uh, Bruno Mars is doing on, on the video. We don't get caught up in the hype because we know the lifestyle and we know where it's going to lead. And so that's, that's what we have to do. And so, the, so we don't have to be afraid if we teach. And we have to teach young. We don't teach when they turn 12. Because we understand that when Christ turned 12, he was found at the, in the temple talking to the scribes and the, and the Pharisees and the priests and all that kind of stuff, and he was away from his parents. And when he came back, when the parents, when Joseph and Mary came back after three days, the Bible says, and said they realized, which is very interesting, that they, it took them three days to realize that Jesus wasn't with them, but that's a whole other story. 
then they go into the temple and find him there, and he's talking with them and amongst them as one who is that is learned. And he says to, to his parents, they, they were like, well, how come you weren't with us, and why didn't you go with us? He said, don't you understand? I must be about my father's business. It was at that point at the age of 12 that he went from cultural norms and cultural ways and all that to understand he was kingdom-minded and that his purpose was to build the kingdom. And that's and what I tell parents is at the age of the the age of decision is twelve, and when they get to that point, you should have instilled in them all that they need to know. And now you're guiding them, now you're helping them to make their own decisions. You're not there to tell them what to do or what not to do. You're helping them to look at it from two sides so that they can make the righteous decision. So parents should never be afraid if you've done your stuff up front. So when they get to that point and say, well, Mom, you know, Mom, I want to wear this. Well, my question is not can you or can't you because if you are intelligent and if you've got the, the use of your limbs, you can put clothes on just like everybody else. So that's not the question whether you can or cannot wear it. The question is why do you want to wear it? And so when they say, well, I want to wear it because everybody else is, then you start saying, well, you will. If every, you know, like my parents used to say, well, if everybody was jumping off the bridge, would you jump with them? You know, I mean, it's those type of things, you know, that's corny now, as you know, at our age. But we have to age-appropriate the situation so that they're starting to think. We have taken away the creativity of our children because we're too busy trying to tell them what to do instead of them coming up with it based on our guidance and our assistance so that they feel like it's theirs. Even though we've guided them, they can still say, I made the decision. And we support that. Now, if a child says, no, Ma, you know, this is what I want to wear and all that kind of stuff, the prodigal son story comes to mind. When the, when the son's like, you know what, Dad, you've been cool, but I want to do, do this on my own. Give me my money right now. I'm going to the city. What did the parent do? The parent didn't buck. The parent said, okay, here you go. And he let yes, the child let that. the son go. <laughs> and, and, but the Bible says when he came to himself, then he came back home. And that's what we have to keep in mind. And the, and the parent, that father knew he had done all that he could do to instill in that child, his child, his youngest child, to make the right decision. Now, we don't know when that's going to happen, and we have to love our kids enough to let them bump their heads and not be there to pick them up every time they say, oh, did that hurt? Yeah, it hurt. That's how you're going to learn. You know, but you don't let them fall out, you know. You don't let them come to convulsions and things like that, no. But it's like if they bump their head or they make a mistake, we don't get down on them. We say, okay, let's learn from this. What's the lesson? What's the lesson behind it? And and, and if they can't come up with it, then you help them and you guide them along. That's how we regain the respect and the position that parents should have with their children. Well, I think those are the challenges that we have before us, and they are significant, and they are no easy man's task, I don't believe, because I think all of us truly struggle with those kinds of questions. What should I say? Should I say anything? Should I not say anything? Um, What is my responsibility? Will I feel guilty if I don't say anything? Um, What about, what about, what about? So with that, I'm going to ask you one final question to um, end this discussion. So when we think about, we've talked a lot, uh, we've, we've covered a lot of topics today. So when we think about all of those things rolled up together, 
Do you have any final advice for all of us struggling with all of these variety, huge variety of issues that we run into every single day and all of the times that we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is it that I am about and who am I going to be and what am I going to say about the situation and am I going to be brave enough to stand? What would you, do you have any final words that you would have for us for things that we ought to think about and bear in mind as we go out into the world and try to live our lives the right way? Yeah, well, well, first of all, let me let me thank you for this time. I think it was it was rich, and uh, I would love to come back at, at, at some time to, to continue uh, the discussion because I think this is what we need. Uh, but, but to answer your question, you know, Timothy tells us, uh, the book of Timothy says that we have to study to show ourselves approved. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then the then there's a book, there's a, 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 a position in the Bible says, thy word is truth. And so when you look at those things, um, I believe that, that we as Christians or whatever our faith belief is, we need to study it and to know it so that we can live it out. Because I think what we what we tend to do is we get a piece of it, and then we build a theology around that piece. And then we think that that's how everybody's supposed to leave, live, where we really don't understand all the context and, and the position of that scripture that we, and why it was written and things of that nature. So I think that's number one. We need to study. The second thing I believe is we have to remember that we're not here to convince anybody. We're here to live by example. And so as long as we're convinced that this is the way that is for us, that's all that's important. And if people, like we have said before, if people inquire about our life, then if we're taught, we have the ability to teach and to win. But if we do not have the knowledge base that we need in order to teach properly, then what we're teaching is our own philosophy. We're teaching our own concept. And when they go back and study and and come back at us and say, well, wait a minute, that's not what you told me. Now we have gone against what the word has said or what, what our belief system is because we did not know enough to be able to, to, to rightly divide it when a question occurs. And so the challenge is for us to be knowledgeable in such a way that we can win souls. Because the Bible says, as I close, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw. And we have too many people trying to draw unto themselves instead of allowing the word of God to draw men and women unto him. Because that's the, that's the ultimate reason why he sent Christ was so that we would be reconnected to God. So we needed an example, and Christ was that example. And so we as Christians, which means the Christ-like, we should be like Christ and stop being like First Church or First Baptist Church on the corner or First Lutheran <laughs> Church on the side or First Catholic Church down the street. Let's be like Christ and watch us transform this world. 
Well, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, I bet we can think of some other topics that I would love to have you come back and chat with us about. Pastor Miller, thank you so much for joining us on the Speedway Show. Listeners, thank you. thank you for joining us as well. And, uh, Pastor, it sounds like you're willing to come back and, and join us if we can um, put together some other thoughts and topics. Yes, I would enjoy that. Fantastic. And, uh, listeners, again, check out com for links to uh, some of the uh, references and the resources that Pastor Miller listed today. I personally found this to be a very interesting conversation because I have no, I have not really heard a concise explanation of what it is that we are supposed to do uh, and how it is that we're supposed to stand. So I certainly appreciate your coming and giving us some guidance. Listeners, tune in again next week for another episode of the Speedway Show. Until then, I'm going to play you an excerpt from one of my personal favorite songs. It's called Stand, and it is particularly particularly um, appropriate for this conversation because it speaks exactly to the stuff that we've been talking about. It's by a group called Victory in Praise. You should get it. Uh, if you like it, it's available in iTunes. I encourage it. And uh, until next week, this is Spiwe saying go in peace and take a stand. Not know when I lose my But I'd rather than in lift up my eyes. All God's children just Tell somebody, say, you stand. Yeah, Lord, stand for holiness. For holiness. Stand for right and be counted among them that shall reign with Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.